having purpose and drive is the number one thing that's going to give you the self-confidence that you need to be able to move forward from that hard time. Please help me welcome the man who went from being a mobile car detailer in high school to now the co-founder of a thriving business and having an explosive social media platform, my friend, Mr. Chris Griffin. Heroes use pain, villains are used by it. You need to be able to use that pain as fuel to push yourself forward, as opposed to use that pain to bring you down and drown yourself in it. And so... What are some of the things that helped you navigate the lonely period? Because I think anyone listening to this can relate even if they're going through the same journey as you. The lonely chapter is so real. I wonder who hurt him. It's getting a bit vulnerable, but... Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Alrighty guys, today's guest is a 21-year-old entrepreneur from Sydney who co-founded Upshelf a business that works with retail brands to help them level up their messaging and stand out better. Dealing with heartbreak, being lost with a desire for more, he found himself starting from scratch in the middle of COVID, sharing a mattress on the floor with one of his friends. Together, they started a business after raising a ton of money from investors only for it to be a struggle. Having them then lose it all and seeing them having to go have conversations with the investors, telling them that they've lost it all, a lot has changed in the past few years since that moment, and I guess we have to figure out where that story ended. So stick around to see where we go with that. But without further ado, please help me welcome the man who went from being a mobile car detailer in high school to now the co-founder of a thriving business and having an explosive social media platform that he's grown over 700,000 followers across TikTok and Instagram combined, and he's sharing his messages of life and relationships, my friend, Mr. Chris Griffin. Wow. Hey, mate. How you doing? <laughs> mate, I'm excited. I'm really happy to have a chat with you and be able to connect. I've, Like I said before we got started here, I've been seeing your videos everywhere. And in fact, this is, I, I want to kick off this podcast because how I found you, I use TikTok to turn my brain off and just to try to find funny videos. And then I see some of your stuff and sometimes I'm like, oh, that hit me on a, an emotional spot. I'm just trying to laugh and stuff right now. And the the thing that I want to kind of start with is the reason how I found you and why I wanted to bring you on here. Because when I was watching a lot of your videos, I saw they had very similar feels. They were deep, they were emotional, some kind of depressing, <laughs> and that they, they would hit people emotionally. And I asked myself the question, I wonder who hurt him to the degree where he wanted to create content to help people that were also like him at some point. Am I right by thinking that? Did it start somewhere where you went down a path of bad heartbreak or struggles where you're like, fuck, I want to share messages that could have helped me? 
I think it all starts to when I was in school and the heartbreak, the main heartbreak didn't happen in school. It actually happened more, more recently. But I think the, the desire to help people started when I was in my final years of school in grade 11 and 12. And it was the hardest time of my life because I pivoted all of my motivation from being that cool kid at school into business overnight. And everyone at school went to a state school. It wasn't very supported. Everyone was paying me out, went from having all these friends to losing all my friends. And it was a really lonely period for me. And when I got on the other side of that and went from losing my friends, no one would answer my calls, no one would hang out with me. I got to the other side and that business, which you mentioned in brief in the intro that we raised some money for when I was just turned 18, I started getting all these messages coming in from these people that ghosted me and they were starting to thank me and um, or congratulate me for all the stuff I've done. And it's a typical story, right? But the thing which is crazy about it is I go, so I get a few years past, the most challenging years of my life to date. And now when I needed you, you weren't there, but now you're all coming. And I'm like, there's going to be so many people out there that are in that grade 11, grade 12 shoes that gets all the friends lost, that tries to give business a crack, that's in the same shoes I was in, but just couldn't get over that little hurdle of being lonely and losing all your friends. So they quit it and they go back to the same roots and the same people. And then they get three years down the line and they're still in the same place and they regret that they didn't take the leap. So the desire to help people started with that, not, not heartbreak. And what I learned was all of these processes that I did during that time to get me on the other side of the desired outcome that everyone wants, it's universal for people that are going through other adversities in their life. Then I had the heartbreak early this year and I was extremely impressed at how well I dealt with it because it was one of those loves that I wasn't looking for it. It came into my life. One of those ones where I had so many walls up and I was denying anyone in And this person walks into my life and I didn't believe people like this even existed. And so then it's not like I, she pulled those walls down. I basically dropped them because I wanted her in my life. And then what happened was we ended it and it was the everything. There was no animosity or negativity in the breakup. It was, it it was, it was peaceful, but I was hurt. And, but what I realized was the way I dealt with it and the way I overcame it in such a short period of time I went on a massive deep dive on how I did that. And it was a lot of the other principles that I actually learnt throughout the last four years um, to overcome other hard hard times. And then it basically related back to it. And I just knew I had to do the same things. So to answer your question, I know it's a long-winded answer, but you're asking, did I get really heartbroken, which pushed me to post that style of content? The answer is yes, the style of content changes. What a lot of people don't see is I posted 100 videos and gained 200 followers and no one saw that. Um, and that content was not relationship-related content. It was business-related content. And then I went through the heartbreak, started learning, deep diving in about the subconscious mind and how different things that I can do affects the way people view me. And I started learning all of these things about relationships. So I thought I'd start posting a couple of my lessons. And then one of those lessons blew up it wasn't a quote it it blew up and then yeah and then I stuck with it and and ran with it for the last few months how long how long you've been growing on TikTok now the first video I so one of my mentors Lewis Mocker do you know Lewis Mocker yeah so he set a challenge for me and he said he said I want you to post every single day of June 
once a day. And the catch is I want you to review every video and make sure the next one's better. Mm. And I said, scrap that. I just quit my job, full-time job that was paying me extremely well. And it was super easy and amazing company. And I thought, scrap that I'm doing too. And I, um, I started posting two videos a day and every day they were getting like 200 views. I was just trialing different things. That was June 1st. And then on June 8th, on day eight. Is that this year? This year. God damn. June 8th, day eight, so one got half a million views. So half a million followers, over half a million followers now on TikTok you have in the space of a few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to uh, a few things here. Really, really, really cool. So, so you're on your entrepreneurship journey and you're going down, which is funny because I've talked about this for a while, but not really in the context of what I heard Alex Hormozzi talk about it a little while ago. And he's like, there is a chapter called the lonely chapter in every single journey of going from, I guess, normal to this extraordinary life. And I went through the exact same thing when I first started my first business at 21. Everyone who I was around at the time were just partying and drinking and taking drugs and fighting people. And that was the whole world. So when I started to say, I don't want that, I want this, it was, it was the same thing. It's like this, this bridge of I'm on my own. <clears throat> what I figured out at a very early point was these people, it was, it was not a transactional relationship, but it was a value-based relationship, which, which I think most relationships are. So you've got to navigate um, what is important for you in your life and, and our values and get around environments of people that are like that. And this is why I, I run the programs I do, have the, the events and everything I do, because I know how hard that can be for someone who feels like they're a square peg in a round hole and they're like, there's no one like me. But when you can get into that environment of people that have the same values as you, that want to grow, that want to succeed, that want to do business, then that's the, the area we need. But I know that navigating that first space of being a nobody because often the, the hard thing with those circles is you've got to create something because people who are winning, they want to hang around winners. So there is a chapter of that it is lonely and it is hard, especially when it's on, in entrepreneurship. So you said you started to share some of the things that helped you. What are some of the things that helped you navigate the lonely period? Because I think anyone listening to this can relate even if they're going through the same journey as you, leaving a herd to go to another herd to build a business or maybe even navigating through a loss, a breakup grieving something what are some things that have helped you mm, i love this I, I i honestly love <laughs> this because the message from hormozy about about the lonely chapter is so real um hu hugely real and i think it's it's one of the hardest hardest times in my opinion in the entrepreneurial journey at least what i've come across so far because it's not loneliness in the sense that you're not getting enough attention or there's not enough people around you. It's loneliness in the sense that you don't feel like anyone understands you. You don't feel like you have anyone that can relate to you. And that's the loneliness that is, it's getting a bit vulnerable, but that's the loneliness that has been the biggest challenge for me this, this year period. Um, because you don't feel like you have someone that you can call that will honestly just be able to sit there and say, look, I get it. I know the feeling. And like, that loneliness is hard. So when Hormozzi said that, and it actually was reminded to me in a podcast I was listening to today with Chris Williamson and Stephen, and, um, and I'm like, yes, that, that time. I'm glad to hear that I'm not alone. And, and so to answer your question about the different things that um, to navigate through that, I think there's, there's a couple of things that 
that need that people need to do to be able to overcome some adversity. And I think a big factor to that is turning, if it's something to do with an ex or a, or a, or a relationship, a lot of the time things can end with a lot of animosity or negativity and being able to the first thing acknowledge everything that's happened in your past, whether it is a relationship, a business, whatever it may be, and be able to acknowledge and appreciate all of those things so then you can flip that into, into appreciation and gratitude. And so then once you can do that, you can then move forward freely. But I think it's having purpose and drive is the number one thing that's going to give you the self-confidence that you need to be able to move forward from that hard time. You need to have something that you're driving towards or you need to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and have a vision and a place that you want to go to. And for me, I found that being able to move on from a hard time is having the confidence in me that I'm completely full by myself and I can then use that full myself, use that hard time as fuel. And, you know, Hazel Hormozzi talks about, Hormozzi talks about uh, heroes and villains have the same backstory, pain. And um, the, the villain says, what he, what he says, he says, the villain says, um, the world hurt me, I'll hurt it back. And the hero says, the world hurt me, I'm not going to let it hurt anyone else. Mm. Heroes, are, heroes use pain, villa, villains are used by it. And that is so, so much the case when you go through a hard time. You need to be able to use that pain as fuel to push yourself forward as opposed to use that pain to bring you down and drown yourself in it. And so... I think the biggest advice is being able to unpack what you want in your life and get really clear about that so you have somewhere to go and then use that pain as that burner for when you get through the tough, when you go on those tough times in the journey, you can refer back to the hard times to relate to, so you have some uh, comparison for the good and you can appreciate that. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny because, so as a dream out loud method, it's my, my main three day program, right? the first thing we talk about is creating a vision because I, I really think, well, I, I believe and I know the reason that you said it, purpose and mission, when people aren't clear on actually where they're going, it can, it can become even lonelier. Mm. And, but I think if we're extremely clear on where we're going and we know where our reasons why we need to get there, we're okay. We can, we can deal with the loneliness because we know that if we don't change where we currently, if we, if we don't do something about changing the current situation, and down the line, it's going to be more painful than what it currently is. And we know that if the promised land will come, then we can, we can actually as humans endure some suffering to get to a place where we know it's going to be better. And someone asked me the other day, we ran an event down here and someone asked me, what's a better motivator, pleasure or pain? And I'm like, both. Because, but I would say it really depends on the journey. Because I'm not going to say just one. I'm not going to say pleasure is better than pain or pain is better than pleasure. Because... It really depends on who they are and where they're at. Pain, I think, is an incredible motivator. It's about, in fact, about 11 times more motivating than pleasure. How do I know this? Because if I said to everybody listening to this, would you like to have a million dollars in your bank account? Everyone's going to say yes, because it'd be very nice to have that. But if I said, um, okay, we'll go build this business. Here's a business plan to go get the million dollars. They probably won't do it. But if I then put a gun to their head and said, if you don't follow this plan... I'm going to shoot you in one month if you don't have a million dollars to bring me. They'll probably get the million dollars because when, when people are faced with that level of pain or, or extremity, they tend to win. They tend to survive. If it's a sink or swim, they tend to swim. And so I think if there's any type of 
pain like that. And I know for a fact, I use it to get off the ground for sure. I'm like, you know what? I will prove you motherfuckers. I am going to do it. And it worked for a while, but it's not sustainable. Mm. And if, when we look at the entrepreneurship life or creating this extraordinary quality life, it is a journey and we've got to map out a sustainable plan, right? So um, it's funny. What you're saying is uh, I 100% agree. We need a vision. We know exactly what it's going to give us a better life than what we currently have. The suffering will end one time, but to use it as fuel right now, because if we don't do anything, what's what's the, the downfall of doing nothing is going back to exactly where we were, mm. which in my eyes is more painful than going through whatever I'm going through now. Yeah. And I think the only other thing to that is it's cool to say you want to have a vision and you need to map that out. But the problem is people don't believe the life they want to live is even possible. And so they need to be exposed to a life. If you've never hung around people that have the life you want to live, if you've only seen it on a screen, someone driving some Lamborghini, you're not going to, you're going to think, you're not going to actually feel it and believe it. And so you need to be able to be exposed to the life that you want to live as well. And so that's like by doing processes about discovering your ideal life and getting really clear and having a process to go through um, or even just having a plain piece of paper and eliminating all the ego, all the limiting beliefs, eliminating everything and just writing down what you want. No one's telling you anything. You're You're by yourself. What do you want? And then once you do a process like that and you can actually unpack exactly what you want without any limiting beliefs, I can't drive this car because... I've never, there's no way I can achieve that. Eliminate all that. Mm. You want the car, you can get the car. And when you get clear on that and get really depth, okay, this is how much that costs. This is the house. This is the link to the house I want to live in. This is, this is, this is, this and get really clear. All of a sudden, what you notice is your self-confidence and belief in yourself that you can do what you want and you can achieve that life becomes a lot more attainable. I think that's a really powerful process even before setting out the vision and goals. Yeah. It's, the, I was sharing this the other day as well. It's the collective belief of your environment. Mm. So if we're surrounding ourselves with 10 people who are, don't believe in themselves, don't believe that they can make any more than $80,000 a year, don't believe that they can have an incredible relationship and travel the world, then you'll share that collective belief just by being in the vicinity of them. You'll also embody the projection of the group's belief that it's also not attainable for me. But the same thing will happen when you surround yourself with people that are multimillionaires. Uh, that believe you can have all these things, you'll also share that collective belief, which is why I, I think the most important thing is to people navigating through a time of loneliness is to quickly try and get yourself into a group or an environment or something. That's why just these podcasts are a thing. Mm. I used to drown out the noise. Like there's there's a saying I used to say, it's like you know you you can have a uh, you know a big big cup of water with all this negativity and shit in it. But if you put enough coffee in it, you'll eventually change the environment around you, right? Mm. And, and you know, you can either get a boiling bowl of water, put an egg in it, and its environment will make it go all hard and closed off. You can put a potato in the environment, and it will go all soft and mushy, and the environment will destroy it. Or you can be, be the teaspoon of coffee and go into the environment and completely transform everything around you because the environment is literally going to bring out the best of you or, or the worst of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's one of the most important thing to sort of, that's always been my hack anyway. I'm like, how yeah. can I get around people that just believe things I don't currently believe yet? And then when I, and I, I can just share their belief that, fuck, you know, maybe I can do that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's that, it's that saying around, if you're in a room with five dickheads, you're the six. 
if you're in a room with five inspired, amazing, successful people, you're going to be the sixth. And there's a few ways to say that saying, but I really like that one because it shocks you a little bit when you hear it. And it's so true. You sit back and go, if I'm around five people that aren't where I want to be and they're draining me, when I leave that interaction, I don't feel energized. I feel drained. Of course I'm not going to succeed. What do you expect? So yeah, I like that. So you're definitely not the first person. We're not the first people to ever have a conversation like this. And there's endless amounts of information out there and there's advice for people to help navigate times. Yet I still know that some people won't take the advice on and I believe that they probably still need to go through it themselves to really get the learning. Do you think that people can actually get tangible information like this, take it on and go, that's good sound advice. Thank you for teaching me before I need to go through it myself. Or do you think people really need to go through and get their, their own lesson and go, you're right. I think they need to go through, through it themselves. Correct. I think the problem is their way of going through it themselves is wrong. I think they need someone to guide them to answer so they can ask themselves the right questions a lot of the time because they might be, trying I want to figure it out myself I want to do this all myself but the problem with that is they might spend a year and they've been asking themselves the wrong questions to unpack the wrong answers and so then they get a year down the line and they're not any better and so I think if you've had someone that's overcome what you're trying to overcome and they can just give you their two cents this is what I did and it worked mm. I'm not saying it's going to work for you because you need to figure it out yourself but if you can, if you try what you're doing for a month and you get nowhere, maybe you just give that advice a little bit of a go because I found it's worked and it's amazing for me. And this is why I'm so passionate about helping someone because it worked for me. And so I think they need to figure it out themselves. Yes. But I think there's no, being closed off to other people's opinions that have already overcome the thing you're trying to go through mm. would be silly of you, I think. So psychologists actually did a study on this. And, and I'm curious, so as I was thinking, I was like, what I kind of want to talk with you about. I'm like, I'm just curious because I, to hear from, it sounds so stupid, but from a younger person, because it feels like I was <laughs> 21, not longer. Um, psychologists have proven that up until the age of about 25, it's when your prefrontal cortex is pretty much completely developed. Up until the age of 25, you can hear useful information like this and see a new vision, see new hope for your life and go, I want that. I don't want this. I want that. And actually make a decision and go, I get it and do it. Mm. And, and they can make huge transformational changes. They can be completely, I did the same thing. I was, I was drinking every day, using drugs every day, like hectic at 21 years old. Mm. Saw a new light and go, no, nah, I don't want this anymore. I want that. And it was, a, it was a pretty quick decision. It wasn't like, hey, oh, it's hard to, it was like, no, I don't want this shit anymore. I want this. Mm. But after the age of 25, what they've shown is it, they, for humans to create a drastic transformational change in their life, they actually need a severe traumatic event. Enough pain, they need to stick. Mm. So what they've shown up until the age of 25, enough pleasure, enough motivation of you can have this is enough, can mm. be enough. After, they need to stick. They need to have that heart attack at 45 to finally make the decision to go, I'm going to stop eating shit, I'm going to take my health. Seriously, they need their wife to leave them, their husband to leave them or whatever or to be cheated on or whatever it is, unfortunately, for them to go, I need to wake up. They need to go bankrupt. They need to have all these things. Mm. That's one way. That's what they've shown. So 
but I'm also a big believer of going, if you're hearing this and you're over the age of 25, and you're like, oh, God damn, you're telling me that I can't change my life until I lose all my money? <clears throat> if you decide so. Um, but I also think that us as human beings can make a life-changing decision in the moment. Um, but what, what I like to help people focus on is realizing that, realizing the pain. So the pain of staying exactly where they are right now has to outweigh the pain of taking the action they need to take. And until they can get there, they won't change. Mm. Have you heard of Stephen's uh, discipline, Stephen Bartlett's discipline equation? I, th I think so. I was just with Stephen. Just with him. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I only recently heard it, heard it off him, but it's that similar thing you just said at the end about, about it out, outweighing the pain um, factor. He basically makes you ask yourself a series of three questions. And hopefully I can get this right. But the, the first question is how how much do you how much does the thing mean to you? And rank it from one to ten. So the the, the thing you, you are doing, how much does it mean to you? The second thing is how much do you enjoy the psychological pursuit of that thing and rank that from one to ten? And so you're putting you're writing down a number and you're ranking it. And then the third thing is how much friction from one to 10 does, does the task have for you to actually do it? So what are all the obstacles, the challenges, the hard things you have to do? So for a podcast, for example, it might be all the, the research on the guest and, and all, the, all the work behind the scenes that you don't really maybe want to do. Like how much friction does it have? Mm. And then the equation, basically, you, you, add the two, you add the first two up and then you subtract all of the, um, the negative and you subtract the number. Now, if that equation equals a positive number, you'll do the task. You'll be disciplined. Mm. If it's a negative number, you won't be disciplined. You won't stick to it. And so it's an interesting equation because if you enjoy it enough and you care about it enough, that's going to be higher than the amount of pain you have to go through to do it, which means you're going to be disciplined to, to, to stick it out, which is a, it's a really interesting... Um, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Effectively, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do... I do I remember him talking about that um, yeah. and it does make a lot of sense. I think just, just one, more, one, one more thing on that as well. You talk, spoke about age. Um, I just want to tie yep. it back to that question and, and throw my two cents on it. You spoke about age and, and the, the actual psychology. The people have tested it at, um, to the age of 25. Now, I'm not educated in that space, but what I do believe is that that's not the whole puzzle. That's one little aspect of it. And I think in terms of creating maturity, I don't believe maturity is tied to age. I think maturity is tied to bearing responsibility. And if you bear responsibility, you gain experience. Through gaining experience, you gain competency. And through gaining competency, you gain maturity in whatever you're doing. Mm. And I genuinely believe that age is a limiting factor for a bunch of people. But like, as I've just explained in that, in, in that, in that, scenario i've just explained if you bear a lot of responsibility if you're living at home till you're 30 and your mum's still making you dinner every single night you're not bearing much responsibility in there if you're not paying rent if you're not trialing businesses if you're not training if you're not doing all of these things you're not going to become competent in that aspect of your life which means you're not going to be mature you're not going to be able to relate so then someone older than you will relate you uh, will, will label you immature and so when you're talking about like like overcoming overcoming things and do you need to go through really hard time to do it? I think going through a hard time really does help it. 
it does accelerate it. But I think if you've built up foundations, you're mature in a lot of areas of your life. If you're very self-aware, so you can unpack your thoughts really well, um, which comes with bearing responsibility in terms of doing things like discipline and be, uh, being disciplined and going through hard times, little ones and callousing your mind a bit, being self-aware. I, I genuinely believe it makes that process easier regardless of your mm. age. I love that. Dude, walk us through quickly. So you left, COVID hit, you got in your car, you moved down to Sydney, you mm. and your friend sleeping on it, sharing a mattress together, mm. nothing to your names and you have a business idea. Um, quickly, is that business the one you've got now? No. Ah, okay. So you had a business idea, you went and raised money. How much money did you guys raise? 80 grand. Wow. What was the business? What's up, Dream Nation? Have you ever wondered how far ahead your life would have already been if you had got access to this type of content at a younger age? Look, this is why I need your help. I'm trying to build the number one personal development platform out there to teach you guys the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live your dream life and to bring the type of education that we all wish we had in school. This show only grows by word of mouth and new subscribers, so it would mean the world to me if you could smash that subscribe button right now Leave us a five-star written review or drop a comment below and share this episode with a friend. I would be forever grateful. All right, now let's get back into this episode. So it was, uh, so let me, let me backtrack just one second. Okay. So we were talking about car detailing at high school. Now I was basically just handing in uh, magnets in letterboxes around the affluent areas and then when I'd get a car in the affluent area on the street, I'd have like a little A sign that I'd put out the front. So when everyone else walked past and they saw a young guy cleaning cars, I'd get the one on the street. So the biggest time crunch, the biggest cost for me was the travel between the cars. So if I could line up as many in the street, I'd make more money and be able to do more cars. And so anyway, I got into sales. I had a girlfriend at, um, and I just left, moved out of home straight after school. And COVID hit and everything landed on its ass. My girlfriend broke up with me. Football, I was playing AFL at a high level in the Suns Academy here in the Gold Coast. Got postponed and I got made redundant from my sales job I was doing. And I was like, what am I going to do? And on that Friday night, it was Thursday night, Sam had called me, my best mate, my business partner today. He said, Why don't you just move to Sydney? And he had already moved six months before. And he... He was like, you've got to let me know tomorrow because I've got to let the, the landlord know if I'm renewing the lease. It's a little studio apartment underneath a garage. And I basically packed up everything, made a decision and left on that Monday. The borders closed on Tuesday or whatever day it was. It was the day before. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but maybe I'll just bring a bucket, a vacuum, a sponge in the back of my car just in case I need to clean some cars I get caught in Sydney and need to clean some cars. And I did the same thing when I got down there because I was struggling. I couldn't get Centrelink because I was under the – I was I, I didn't have a fair reason to move out of home and all this stuff. And, and, um, and so I did a couple of mailbox drops and then we thought, let's put this thing – I put a controversial quote in the, in the little write-up. was it? And so basically COVID was hit. There's all this government handout everywhere. And then I was writing a write-up about my story. I'm 17 years old, 18 years old. I just want to clean some cars. I used to run a business. And I said this thing. I said, in a nutshell, I'm in the vast minority of millennials, not even a millennial, Gen Z, but yeah. I'm in the vast minority of millennials that are willing to, in fact, work for their livelihood as opposed to simply taking government support. 
Boom. And I wrote that and I put it in this thing. <laughs> and then anyway, I decided to post it on the Facebook group chat in Northern Beaches by so it has 120,000 followers, uh, likes on the page. And that comment went viral and it had thousands of likes, thousands of comments, people arguing in the thing. I've never had this much hate in my life at the time. But I had a hundred cars booked in over over a weekend. Whoa. And at 70 bucks a pop. And um, Sam and I were cleaning for two to two weeks straight, just nonstop all these cars. And we had a lot of thinking to do. And I was cleaning the car. I'm like, how can I service all this demand? And we we're just learning Adam Hudson, a local on the Gold Coast. And we were doing his software school and I thought of this software SaaS company that connects car cleaners with people that get their car cleaned and when they would book on our website on a subscription basis it would assign them to the closest cleaner and this whole thing stemmed and Woe Washing was born. Our proof of concept was all those cars booked in over that weekend not actually proving the software aspect of it and we went and raised money off all these results and projected it and we were 18 and raising 80 grand we've only sold 10% of the company value to 800 grand in four months and um, just basically And it wasn't even up yet no, was it was it, the software wasn't, but right. the money was to get the platform built, the MVP built. And so we did a pre-seed raise before proving the model. Silly, but we were young and in reflection, like they were just backing us. They believed in us and the idea, but it didn't work. Um, and yeah, that conversation of Sam and I going, okay, like this isn't going to work. Reading, reading the dip, the book, it basically tells you when's the right time to quit a business we'd done everything gone all in we had no f- like friends like it was lockdown we couldn't meet people we didn't know anyone and we had, it was just lonely walks around this golf course nearby and basically had to, had to hang up the boots and that was the first proper hard conversation I, i've ever had okay and then obviously you've birthed your new company now which is doing pretty good um just recently launched so yeah cool so yeah there was a f- there's a few things in between that um Got, got, I got back into sales and I was selling um, selling some software and then I was working for um, a local brand, Hard Fizz, um, dealing with all their sales, local brand here, dealing with all their sales in New South Wales and really learning the, the liquor industry. And so the vertical that Upshelf just launched in for the proof of concept is just liquor. So we're only working with liquor brands to start off. Um, and and yeah, I guess I guess with with that is we've funded it ourselves, so we've bootstrapped the whole MVP lesson from the last one, proved the model before we go and onboard all this stress and money and, and stuff. And so we're going through a proof of concept right now. Um, it's got a couple of clients on board and it's all rolling out literally on Monday next week, um, just servicing New South Wales to start, proof of concept, trying to get some critical mass, some brands on board. And then if we get to the goal we want to get to at the end of the year, we'll then probably do a raise and, and get the next V2 built and then do a bit of a mass mass model where we're launching into multiple multiple verticals as well. Loving it. Um, okay, so I've pulled a few of your quotes and I want to go into a few of these. So <clears throat> one of the things you've said, which by the way, do, do you make these up or do you just find them somewhere? Some made up, some are just um, off the internet. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it, love it. I, I like to put my own twist on some of them mm. as well. So there might be a known quote that I just adjust. So one thing you've said, the three types of love in your life. The first one is, uh, so you've got the first one, uh, which is sort of just like the fluffy stuff. The second one, which is going to hurt you, then you're going to grow from it. And then the third one, which is the one where you're not looking for. Mm. How true has this been for your life? And do you, do you still think that quote is a home percent true? 
the number people are getting a bit caught up on like one, two, and three. I think you can have little flings in between and stuff, but the ones where you truly know, like that first proper relationship typically happens at a young age and, you know, you, you end it probably over something silly is what I was explaining. And the, the big cut part about the, that relationship is you look back at that love after you've had other ones and you go, that's not actually love, but it was love. It was love for what you knew love to be at the time. And so it was love just in a different period of your life. You've now sharpened the sword, sword a little bit. You've known a bit more about what you want, what you don't want. And then you get into the next one. And because your walls are built up a little bit more from the past one, a lot of the time you might say, nah, that, that, first, that first one's rocked me a bit. I'm, I need to go on my own a little bit. And then you find someone else. And this one, you've, you've learned from the last one. You go, oh my God, like this one's, this one's, this one's great. So then you go all in on this. This one typically might be a bit longer, a deeper connection. And then this one, typically, it's not, it's not, everyone's, it's everyone's different, right? But mm. what I've found, and whenever I speak to people about this concept, is so many people relate to it because they get in this one and it hurts them and they really are rocked. And this one's like the most painful. And I think that, the people that I might be attracting a lot is this, this, this people that are gone through this because they, yeah, they, it's, it's hurt them a lot. They've gone through some really tough times. Maybe the, the partner was not very nice and there was some negative things around that. And then they just don't believe it can like, they can get into anything again. And they're like stuff love. Mm. And that third one. Yeah. Sometimes you need to make a decision that breaks your heart, but gives you peace. Mm. What's the decision that you've made like this? Hormozy well, talks about it, how, but how there's greatness on the other on the other side of a hard conversation. And in terms of the decisions I've made, I think I kind of got like goosebumps when you said that because there's little periods in my life where I've had to make decisions that, like someone my age you sit back and reflect and go, what was I thinking? And it's funny when you say, when, when that quote for me doesn't hit as much in terms of relationships. I haven't actually been vulnerable and open enough in, 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 a, lot of, in a lot of relationships. That, and that's said I've had a few. But the main ones are the ones that, the business-related ones and the life-related ones where I've got to leave like football and, 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 and like leave my girlfriend who I, that first relationship who I really thought was the one and those decisions that are like the most, they're extremely hard in the moment. But then when you make it out the other side, you go, thank God I did that. And you can take a deep breath. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one, but you, mm. yeah, there's, there's <clears throat> videos in a vault that I'm keen to open up when I, when I make it to where I'm, ha- where I'm really happy with and release those potentially. We'll just have to see. I haven't looked at them <laughs> since I filmed them. But they're really vulnerable videos because they're showing the journey and they're making me. Re- they're going to make the highs so much greater, and that's why I'm so grateful for those times. But yeah, you definitely go through some challenging parts. So when I saw this one, I was like, "This one makes so much sense for my last uh, relationship," mm. because so I was in a relationship, and I think I've shared a few times on this podcast. Maybe like we can unpack it because I'm like, this is this. Because what I want to talk about next, I, I think, is just important. 
Um, so I was in a relationship. I dated my best friend. We were best friends for years. And then we're like, hey, we're really best friends. Let's date. And then we dated for like three years. So and I remember going into that relationship thinking, Morgan, if you go into this, you better be absolutely fucking certain because you're such good friends before. Mm-hmm. And then that was the decision I made. I was like, well, let's do it. Let's commit to this thing. <clears throat> three-year relationship. And then it got to the point where I knew the decision was to end it. Like I just had this intuitively knowing, but it was this huge, my heart was like, no, but intuitively I knew the vision for us next went like this. It went, I went this way, she went that way. I just knew that was the next chapter in our life. Mm. I'm very like tuned in, tapped into just, I just know, I just have a deep sense of like knowing what has to happen next, what has to unfold. And so I made the decision to break up with her, which was, which was extremely left field for her. And it was the, the hardest decision still of my entire life to do that. The most hurtful decision, the most, it, it was horrible. Mm. And I also knew, and it was so hard, I had to write down on a piece of paper how I was going to do it. And I read it out to her. And then I knew mm. once, it, once I finished it, I was like, that's, that's the hard. Once it's finished, I've done the hard. Now, the journey to peace begins, however long that may take. Mm. And what I the, the the reason came down to was because it was three years in a relationship with her, and I still I was still ninety percent committed. And I was like, for some reason, I haven't figured this shit out yet. So I'm not going to keep dragging this poor girl along, who wants to get married and wants to have all these things, if I haven't figured out my shit yet. Mm. So I'm going to do what's right, not what's easy, and end it. And then I saw another one of your quotes. And it said, it's hard to turn a page when you know your favorite character is not going to be in the next chapter. Ouch. And I was like, fuck. And, you know, and it, it's actually really true. And it's funny because, well, it's not funny. I remember when I broke up with her. And the hardest thing was we did it on FaceTime because she was in America. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to drag a couple more months till I see her again in, in Bali. I've got to do it now. And then COVID happened. I haven't seen her since, right? And so it was the hardest thing ever. And I remember going through the most painful moments of my life. And I was doing a tour at the time, speaking on stages, telling people how to hype up their life and create success. And I was bedridden. like. And I remember walk, going for a walk and sitting on the bench. And I'm just like, I need fucking help somehow. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I get on YouTube and I'm like, Breakup advice. And all I could find was Jay Shetty's videos taking the fucking girl's side. <laughs> Don't worry that he left you. You're going to be good. I'm like, fuck, Jay. You motherfucker, right? And I, and I, and I was like, and, and, and I kind of just want to open this conversation up because I don't know where it's going to go. But it, when I was reading these quotes, I was like, that was the first time I was able to sort of relate back to the pain I, I had during that time. Because I've obviously gone through and that was the depths of so much pain for months. Like I, for the first time ever in my life, I actually understood the quote, I'm emotionally unavailable. Mm. I'm like, I just don't have the emotion to, to to go on a date with anybody. And it took a long time. So I sort of just want to open it up and 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 for someone who may be going through that, like the best piece of advice for them, and I want to know what you think. Because I was thinking, I was like, if somebody could just tell me something in that moment, I don't think there is anything someone could have told me or did for me that could have helped other than just hold space because I've come out the other end and know 
that the number one thing we actually need to build to handle the toughest situations is self-trust mm. and have a best relationship with ourself. That's what I've learned through it. So that pain taught me how to actually love myself fully. Mm. What do you think somebody needs? Is there something that for someone going through this right now and they're like, I've just had the hardest breakup of my life. Life feels completely empty, meaningless. What do you think that person needs to hear? The most recent breakup, it kind of ended over FaceTime as well. And because she was in Bali and I was supposed to be going to Bali for the last week of her trip there. She was there for like six weeks. And anyway, it was rocky. Um, it was kind of rocky when I was dropping her to the airport before she left as well. But then anyway, I changed my flight because I still had some other friends in Bali. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just give her some space, but I'll go to Bali still and hang out with my other friends. I'm like, I can't do that because all I want to do is hang out with her. So I decided last minute, the day before I left, to change my flight to Thailand and go on a solo sabbatical for eight days by myself. And let me tell you, the plane ride... If, if you've ever been to Thailand from Sydney, you fly over Bali and there's the map in front of me and I'm flying over Bali to Thailand. So I've got three hours on this plane. It's three more hours. And I just wanted to land that plane. And I remember journaling in that moment. And that was a really vulnerable journaling session because I just wanted to land the plane and go see her in Bali. And I had to watch it fly over. But tying back to your question... I think a really powerful question I ask myself is, is what are the negatives of if this didn't happen? And I think when you ask yourself that question, what are the positives of it happening? And what are the negatives of if this didn't happen? And give yourself a whole page, right? like spend some time. Those, you'll find those two questions alone can give you so much clarity and it's unpacking the question. It's where you lead it from there and it's using your mind. And I found that that process for any fear, to be honest, for any hard time or any bad thing that's happened, when I write down the benefits of it happening, because there's always benefits to everything, there's negatives to everything. So if you can write down the benefits of it happening and then the negatives of if it didn't happen. The breakup, for example, right? The breakup. Yeah. So if it didn't happen and you'd be still together with her, mm -hmm. what are the negatives? And list them down, as many as you can. Write them down, and write them down. And future negatives, I think, is a... That would be cast as negatives. And so, but if she was really controlling in a relationship, as an example, and you ended it was one of the main reasons, a negative of not it breaking is that you would be trying to do your mission, be busy, do, your, do something that's making you inspired, speak in front of a bunch of people, and you're going to get a message saying, don't go out tonight because I'm not with you or something, and it's an insecurity or something that she might have. And so a negative would be, oh, I'm going to keep getting all those things when I'm just trying to do something that's, like, I love her and I'm loyal to her, but she doesn't trust me for not nothing I've ever done. I would have keep getting those things. And so, like, that's one negative. Just keep banking them. And then you get to it, and depending on how deep you can go, you, it's honestly endless. If you really dig deep, you can find so many negatives. So then you can sit back and go, oh, my God. Take a deep, big breath and go, this really sucks and I'm not going to just pretend like it doesn't hurt me. I'm going to sit in it and feel my emotion and, and honestly feel it, have some alone time, but I'm going to use this time as a tool for reflection to help me slingshot forward and unpack 
like learn from this as much as I can because as, as soon as you blame it on them for anything, oh, she was this, she was this, he did this, he did that, you're closing your mind to what you can learn from this breakup. And not only the more you learn from the breakup, the more you'll l- take into the next one and, and have more clarity for the next one, but you're going to, the more you learn, the more confidence you're going to have in yourself because you, f- you feel like you know more and you're, you're more educated. And so you're going to have more confidence in what you're saying and what you're talking about and just in yourself that everything's going to be okay. And so yeah, that'd be my advice. I love that because it's going to make people go a little bit logic on it because mm. right now they're in their emotional brain mm. and, it's, and, and it's good to process how they're feeling. And you know what? I'm almost convinced because I was thinking about this. I'm like, what, what is the thing? Someone, and I, like I said before, I really don't think somebody could have said or did something to me that would have been like, mm. oh, and stop it. So as, as much as those tools will help, and because I think I did things like that as well, I was like, I just got to make sense of this, and I know mm. I made the right decision, but it doesn't stop the fact that it's the most painful thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Back to the quote, you know, it's hard to turn the page, hard to move on in life knowing that your favorite person yep. is not going to be in the next chapter. It's extremely difficult. And I think the unpopular truth to this is going through a journey like this we almost need to have this moments of suffering mm-hmm. to develop the better relationship. It's like going to the gym. You have to put your, your muscles under tremendous mm-hmm. pressure if you want them to grow. As, as shit as going to the gym is sometimes and as shit is lifting the heavy weights and tearing the muscles and then going through the few days of pain, it comes back stronger. And I don't think there's anything, you know, if someone watching this is going through that, apart from just knowing that it's, going to get better, mm. but also these are the things that just strengthen us. Because if I look back on that now, as hard as it was uh, and the difficulty with it all, I developed the best relationship with myself through mm-hmm. that pain. I agree. My mentor said to me, so I can tell you three things. Number one, don't say a negative thing about her. Because a lot of people want to side our relationship. We had a big Instagram presence and a lot of people were trying to take sides. Oh, she's this, he's that. And we were both like, don't you talk about her like that? Don't you talk about him like that? So we both agree. We're not going to say that because there was no bad blood. So don't say negative things. Second thing is don't go back to them. You've already made the painful decision. Turn the chapter and move, and dry, keep going. You just mm-hmm. have to keep going to the next chapter. And the third one is don't sleep with anybody for three months. And I'm writing these down. I was like, wait, what did you say? The third one? <laughs> I thought that's what you do. I thought, I thought I'm single now. I go, fuck whoever I want. Mm. He's like, no. And th- through that time of not sleeping with anybody, I learned, I discovered the vices. I discovered the voids. I discovered the uncomfortable truths in myself of where I didn't want to sit still with myself, mm-hmm. right? Where I wanted to get distracted. I wanted approval. I want external validation. I wanted a girl to flirt with me. I wanted a girl to go on a date with me, to cuddle with me, to do all these things. And through that, I I had learned to be like, how can I give that to myself for this journey? Mm-hmm. So through that pain, it started a journey of myself, of, of having the best relationship with myself. And the result from that is every single other relationship in my life now is the cherry on top of what already is an extraordinary relationship. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I get hit the nail on the head there, but I think the tying it back to like you saying, I think you have to go 
go through that yourself. There's a couple of things that I just want to quickly touch on is I think you, you need to get in the mud and, and, and honestly feel it because that's where you unpack. If you can get in the mud from a place of this has happened, it's really hurt me. It's not her fault. It's all my fault, but it's really hurt me. And, and, and be, be in the mud you're going to find so much power from, from being in, in there. And when you spoke about like you need a, you need a, the more bicep, you're talking about gym and, and how the more you go, the more it strengthens. When you look back on the relationship, treat the breakup as a cost for all the amazing times you've had as well. Mm-hmm. And being able to treat that, yeah, okay, it's, it's a bit delayed. I, I wish the pain just happened after I did the curl, after I had the good time. But, um, but, like okay that's this is a cost of me having those amazing times i'm so grateful for that person she has helped me so much and this is true with with my relationship is there's no i can't say a single bad thing about her because of how much she how much i've gained from her she set a standard of woman like a woman i want in my life she's taught me to slow down i used to rush around everywhere she taught me to just take a breath once in a while and appreciate things around me those two lessons alone before i start listing everyone out in my hand those two alone are, are things that you can't put a price on they're invaluable and so i think being able to sit in it and be, be okay with being upset but then appreciating everything that happened and then trying your best to turn everything into a positive is going to be a really amazing first step. I love it, dude. Chris, I feel like we could chat for a long time. And I, I think we should do a round two because I want to I dive into social media with you because um, mm. you've obviously just fucking killed it. So that, that can be a part two. But, dude, where can everybody find you on social media and check out all the dope shit that you're doing? Just look up more Chris Griffin on Instagram, Chris Griffin on TikTok. Um, you'll probably find a few photos of Family Guy and then I might pop up as well. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, just Chris Griffin just launched a podcast called The Modern Blueprint where you can see um, a bit more long form of me. That's on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll find that episode's coming out every Thursday. But other than that, man, it's been, it's been, it's been so amazing. I love it, dude. All right, I've got a final question to wrap it up. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self, a few years ago mm. what's 30 seconds of advice you'd give him it's so funny because when you look at it and say like it's only a few years ago i feel like a completely different person i think when you take ownership and bear a lot of responsibility at, at a young age you literally grow so much at such an expedited rate but that's an interesting question i would say to him that your age and your naivety is your biggest asset. What I mean by that is the age, when you're trying to get in front of people that have what you want, mentors and people that have the life you want to live, when you get in front of those people at a young age, they see their younger self in you. They want to invest in you. They look at you and go, why are you 17 or 18 at an event where everyone's 40 trying to make money? What are you doing? Like, I'm really intrigued by you. And so that's the first thing, being your age is an advantage. But how do you get in those rooms? By being naive. When If I wasn't naive, I wouldn't have gone into all of these free events that's just a pitch fest all day. And because if I was 30... I would have known that it's just going to be a pitch fest and I would have had these walls up. So I wouldn't have gone to these events being naive, 
seeing all this thing, going all the free stuff. Only reason not buying all these programs is because I had no money and I wouldn't have met all the people that are going to see their younger self in me that are going to invest in me, that I'm going to be able to build mentors and relationships with so that then when I go older, I don't know when I'm going to need them, but I know they're going to come in handy and they've helped me along that journey. So I'd say use your age and your naivety to your advantage and don't let anyone else tell you differently. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.